in this session on uh, quarantine lessons from fall that's going to be our topic uh, for this session let's bow our heads and pray together father we thank you lord for uh, yet another time yet another opportunity to open your word and to learn from it and we pray lord that you would make your written word life to us as we understand about what you took Paul through and what his attitude was for all that he went through. Father, we pray that that would teach us lessons of how we should go through in our lives, even during these times. We give ourselves into your hands. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so this is session number four in our series on uh, living the gospel in a quarantined world. So this session, we are looking at lessons from Paul, especially lessons from Paul's chains. Because if you notice, if we study the scriptures, we find that Apostle Paul spent quite a bit of time in prison. He spent quite a bit of time in prison. But the time in prison was not a waste. It was not a waste. It was very, very productive. Now, you and I, during this time of pandemic, for some people, it has been like a prison, okay? They cannot step out of the house, you know, but I hope this has not been unproductive times, but that it has been productive times. How did uh, Paul use his time in prison productively? The book of Acts actually closes with Paul imprisoned for two years in Rome, okay? That's what we read in Acts chapter 28 and verse 30. And there he awaited his audience with the Emperor Nero, to whom he had appealed against the charges that were brought about by his religious enemies in Jerusalem. So in these two years that he was in prison, the Roman authorities allowed Paul considerable freedom to continue to do what he was doing earlier. So as a result, he was able to get visitors over and to these people, he preached the gospel. To these people, he spent time in a discipling them, teaching them. This is what we read in verses 30 and 31, where he says, All who came to him during this time in prison, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Okay? These are the two things that he did. He proclaimed Jesus and he taught about Jesus. So during these uh, years in prison, it was uh, a very, very constructive and a productive time for him, okay? What else did he do in prison? You know, practically, if you notice, you know, he wrote a lot of letters from prison. He wrote a lot of letters from prison. In Acts, we find that Paul is imprisoned in Philippi. You find this in Acts chapter 16 and then spends the last quarter of the book in various prisons. In Acts 21 to 28, you find different, different prisons that he was in. He was at the prison at Jerusalem, in Caesarea, and ultimately when he ends the book, you know, he's under house arrest in Rome. But did you know that the letters that he wrote to the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, and also to Philemon, were all penned from prison. Second Timothy was, in fact, you know, the last letter that he wrote before he was martyred. That was also written from prison. 
So one might say that Paul spent large portions of his ministry quarantined in prison against his will. Now, when we are thinking about being quarantined because of this uh, pandemic, that may not necessarily be anywhere close to be in prison, especially in a first century prison. Times were bad then, isn't it? And even now in a lot of prisons, it's not easy. But being in that tough place, you know, he made sure that this time in prison was productive by writing a lot of instructional letters. Why did he do that? Because when he introduces himself in his letter to Philemon, he calls himself as a prisoner for Jesus Christ. He says he's a prisoner for Jesus Christ. You know, that was the third important lesson that we learn when he is in prison is that he used his time to make his life successful. He did not see himself just as a prisoner, but he saw himself as a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Success under duress, okay? There was a lot of pressure put upon him, but he did not allow the pressure to get to him. He was able to overcome all that, okay? Look at some of the verses. Let me read it for you. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. He asked the members in the church at Colossae, he says, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to boldly declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now he's writing this letter from prison and he is asking for prayer that God may open a door to share the word boldly when he is in prison. Now, that was his attitude. He did not allow the situation to get under him. He definitely was living over and above the situation in control, as it were. (laughs) And uh, the result of this, if you notice in uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, we find uh, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household, okay? There were people from Caesar's household who came to know the Lord. We'll look at that uh, a little while later. But even when he was uh, in this uh, uh, prison environment, he did not really think that that was going to be his final destination. He knew that he was going to come out of that. In Philemon verse 22, he says, prepare a guest room for me. And in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 24, he says, I trust in the Lord that I shortly, I myself will come also. In other words, yes, he was in a tough spot, but he believed that it was going to be temporary, that he was going to overcome it, that he will find success, that he will be able to use those times, even in this period of uh, stress and pressure, to make the best out of it. Question. For each of us, even this evening, have you made the best of the time that has gone by? What productivity, can you say, has been seen in your life because of the quarantine? Some of the most powerful writings in history have been penned by leaders imprisoned for political reasons. Some of the most powerful writings have been penned by people who were in prison. Think for a moment, in the year 1675 in Bedford, England, 
the famous Puritan preacher and writer John Bunyan was arrested for preaching publicly without a license and he was jailed for six months. Previously, he had already spent 12 years in prison and during which time he had written many books and pamphlets. So rather than seeing this new imprisonment as a great tragedy, he took an optimistic view of it. He is reported to have said, I have been away from my writing too long. Maybe this is not so much a prison as an office from which I can reach the world with Christ's message. Think for a moment. Would that be your attitude? I am not being under quarantine, but this is my office from which I can reach the world for Christ. It was during these months that he wrote the Pilgrim's Progress. And Pilgrim's Progress, if you notice, has gone on to be a, a great, great uh, you know, accomplishment, a great writing, you know, well-read, well-translated. You know. What happened? John Bunyan had the right attitude, and he made use of that time. He wrote, he made use of that time. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. And Paul, if you notice, during his four years you know, of imprisonment in Caesarea and Rome and other places, definitely wrote more than that in terms of the different, different letters that was written to those churches, which have become a part of scripture. Ask yourself, you know, did you think in the beginning of the pandemic to do some writing? A lot of people, as soon as the pandemic started, they said, if you do something like this, you know, it will be good. You know, set yourself for this goal to write your testimony, to write a book, you know, to write your thoughts, you know, to write a message, you know, put these things together on paper. A lot of people challenge people, and maybe some of them said, yes, yes, we will do it. How have you made your time in quarantine productive? Okay. Have you wrote, written any letters to individuals? Maybe send them an email or send a, a WhatsApp you know, of encouragement to people who have been during this period under great stress? Or have you gone under that stress and said, I wish, when will it all get over? And you're looking forward only to get out of it rather than making the best from this situation. So how did Paul respond to his own imprisonment? How did Paul respond? First of all, he responded with confident trust that by God's grace, the gospel will continue to advance. That the gospel will continue to advance. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, he writes, What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. A lot of people at that time would have said, if you caught the main leader, put him behind bars, the church is going to close down. But no, that did not really happen. He says, not only has his imprisonment not hindered the ministry of the gospel, but it has actually served to advance it. Remember, the gospel is not advancing despite his imprisonment. It is advancing because of it. Let me say that again. The gospel is not advancing despite his imprisonment. It is advancing because of it. Ask yourself, in what way has the church advanced the gospel because of the quarantine? 
because you are input in this situation, what are the new methods or what are the new means that you started using to make sure that the gospel still went out, the gospel still reached out to people, both in your neighborhood and in the country, as well as in the world at large. Again, in Philippians 1.15, we read you know, one benefit of that you know, uh, advancement of the gospel where he says, most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, you know, when Paul the leader was put behind bars and he did not stop preaching the gospel, the rest who are outside, the church members, they said, hey, we must also share now. We have an opportunity. Nobody can do anything to us. The leaders behind bars, no problem. But we still can go ahead and speak. So they came out of their fear. They moved out of their fear and they moved in faith and was able to reach out to many people. It's a lot of importance, isn't it, from a leadership angle. If the leadership is all fearful. We can't, we won't, you know. Let's limit, you find that the people also have that same mentality creeping in. But if the leadership, when I would have the faith that uh, Paul had to say, hey, let's make the best use of this opportunity. Let's look at ways and means. Then it gives the confidence to the general congregation members as well. Paul's imprisonment led to an increase in evangelistic activity that it seems would not have happened otherwise. So God used Paul's imprisonment as a means by which he brought the continued advancement of the gospel. How has the gospel advanced in your life, through your life, and through the life of your local church, even during this pandemic period, because of the pandemic? How has it advanced? Ask yourself this question. And my prayer is that in the coming weeks and months, as you know, things open up and people are able to come together, meet together, share together, there'll be a lot of testimonies of individuals who will be able to share. It is because of so-and-so's sharing. It is because of so-and-so's help that we came to know the Lord. We were built up in Him. We grew in our walk with God, that the gospel really advanced. So Paul responded with a confident trust that the gospel will continue to advance. Secondly, Paul responded with a continued pursuit of godliness through personal study and devotion. And the book of 2 Timothy is actually waiting for his execution. Okay, that is the last book and soon after that he was going to be killed. Yet look at the instruction that he gives to Timothy as he closes the letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13 where he says, when you come Bring the books, and above all, the parchments. Bring the books, above all, the parchments. The parchments is basically referred to as the Bible, okay? The God's Word that was written in parchment. So, at this particular time, he's nearing his death. He's stuck in prison. But what is he thinking about? He's thinking about more reading. He's thinking about more preparation. He's thinking about more study of God's Word. If you notice in 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, he says, The time of my departure has come. The time of my departure has come. He could very well at that time said, hey, you know, now anyway, I'm going to die soon. What's the point of any more reading and building up my knowledge? No. His concern was 
that I still need to grow. I still need to learn. Ask yourself, during this period of pandemic, have you done any reading? Is your desire, get the books, bring me the books, you know, and above all, bring me the parchment. Have you spent time taking the opportunity of this pandemic, this quarantine, to study the word, to study the books that have been written, maybe books that are on your shelf that you said, I'm going to read, but I've never read it. Have you taken time to do that? Because your desire is to pursue godliness through personal study and devotion. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, speaking about this incident, says, Paul is in prison. He cannot preach. So what will he do? As he cannot preach, he will read. As we read of the fishermen of old and their boats, the fishermen were gone out of them. What were they doing? They were mending their nets. So he writes, if providence has laid you upon a sick bed and you cannot teach your class, if you cannot be working for God in public, mend your nets by reading. Mend your nets by reading. If one occupation is taken from you, take another and let the books of the apostles read you a lesson of industry. Paul, in his closing moments, as it were, saying, still, get me the books. I want to read. I want to grow. I want to pursue godliness in my life. Would this be a cry even during this time? Would this be a cry? Okay. A lot of people during this pandemic time have just you know, wasted their time away, just scrolling through their phones or you know, flipping channels and watching serial after serial after serial, trying to exhaust everything that is available online. And they're saying, I'm getting bored. I hope that was not your experience. I hope you used that time profitably to make sure you did a lot of reading, you did a lot of studying, because this is something that we can definitely learn from Paul. Even in his closing moments, he's still saying, bring me the book, bring me the parchments. I still want to learn. Thirdly, Paul responded with a constant longing for reunion with his brothers and sisters in Christ. If you notice in Philemon verse 22, he says, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. The fact that God used Paul's imprisonment as a means of advancing the gospel should not be confused with a desire to be imprisoned. Rather, he is longing not only for a release, but for reunion with the fellow believers. Yes, we are in this time, everything is closed, everything is locked down, it is opening up, yes, now, but still very slowly. In this particular scenario, our desire has to be, the longing has to be to look forward for the time when we can meet together again physically with the, our brothers and sisters in Christ. With many churches you know, using technology, to go online and have online services and Bible studies, we must remember that nothing can replace a gathering together in person in the body of Christ. You notice in 3 John verses 13 and 14, Apostle Paul, Apostle John, writing to his friend Gaius says, I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them down to you in pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly 
and we will see and we will speak face to face. There's a difference between an online contact and an individual face to face contact. And let this fact you know, uh, sort of hold us together to look forward to the time that we can meet together in person. Let the fact that we are hindered from being together right now fuel our desire, increase our desire to be together on a regular basis when we can. The more we long to be reunited in person with our brothers and sisters, the sweeter the reunion will be. That's what we can learn from Paul. He was looking forward to meet them face to face, interact with them again. Yes, he wrote them letters, no doubt about it. He had touch with them, but his longing was for reunion. That's an important lesson that we can learn from him. <coughs> Moving further, Paul's imprisonment furthers the gospel, furthers the gospel. Now, every believer oftentimes would have asked this question, why do I have to go through suffering? Especially during this pandemic times, this uh, whole issue of God and suffering would have been in the world, would have also been in the minds of uh, believers as well. But the Christian does have this confidence that nothing has come into our lives except that God has directly or indirectly permitted it. Because as Romans 8, 28 will say, all things under the sovereign control of God will work together for our good. So humanly speaking, we may look at our situation today and say, how is it all going to work out for good? Maybe Paul also, when he is in prison, his desire was that he will go to Spain, he will go to Rome, he will preach the gospel. That was his desire. But how was it fulfilled? It took a long time. Yes, he finally went to Rome. You know, but you know, during that period of waiting, instead of questioning God, instead of you know, asking why, Lord, he made use of every situation for the furtherance of the gospel. All this was primarily, as I mentioned to you earlier, he recognized that he was a prisoner of Jesus. In a Roman jail, yes, but actually he was a prisoner of Christ. He was not a prisoner of the Romans. He was a prisoner of Christ. And this is a principle of God's government in this world, that the things which are happening to us as Christians are designed by God to further his cause of the gospel in this world. Have you ever thought of the pandemic from that perspective? That pandemic has actually been designed by God to further the cause of the gospel in this world. In our last session, we looked at how the pandemic has brought out so many questions about the uh, person's dependency on God or the independency on God questions about their future, their death, and what happens after, the, after they die. Now, can we really trust and believe that God is the one who designed this in a way to further the cause of the gospel in this world? That would be our attitude, same attitude as Paul, when he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. God is in charge. Yes, I'm in a Roman jail, but God is the one who's put me over here so let's see what can happen. Let's see what we can do through this situation. So that is, should be our approach. Instead of blaming somebody else for the pandemic, let's say 
God allowed it for a purpose. Could the purpose be to further the gospel? How can we further the gospel? And plenty of opportunities, remember, has come about because of the pandemic. Churches which thought about the institutional buildings now have recognized that, you know, church is a body. You may be in different places, but you're still the body of believers. Individuals who thought that they could never share the gospel have been able to share it digitally, virtually. People have come up with different, different methods. New technologies have come in. Churches which were not really well-versed in technology have come up with the latest technologies to make use of it to further the cause of the gospel. And definitely even after the pandemic is over, it is continuing to be used. You know? So let's believe that the same attitude that Paul had, I'm a prisoner of Christ. God has designed this to further the gospel. So let's make sure how we can do it. Find from God. <laughs> Number two. Paul's imprisonment was causing Rome to face the issue of Christ. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and for everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Okay. Now, his desire was to go to Rome, but his desire definitely has to go to Rome to preach the gospel. But now, how does it happen? Now, he did not take a plane or he did not take a boat and land up over there to say, this is a missionary journey. His desire was to share, and God worked it out. How did he work it out? By putting him in that prison so that he was able to reach out to the palace guards and from there then reach out to the rest of the Roman world around at that time, especially in leadership. You know? He says you know, that many were coming to know Christ through the Praetorian or the palace guard. The Praetorian guard consisted of 9,000 of the finest seasoned soldiers in the Roman army. They were highly trained troops who were paid double because their assignment was to protect the emperor and be security guards for all those prisoners who were appealing to Rome, of whom Paul was one. So if you were to say these soldiers were the future movers and shakers of the Roman Empire, and Paul was guarded 24 hours a day by one of these Praetorian guards. He was actually chained to a guard, and every four hours, the guard changed. So that over a period of two years, Paul had an opportunity to share the gospel with 4,220 men of the Praetorian guard. And these guards would have definitely listened to Paul debating with these uh, unbelieving individuals or reasoning, you know, with these unsaved and a Gentile world, or maybe even teaching the Christians. Or they would have seen Paul dictating these letters of Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon, and they would have observed him reading the scriptures and praying. And as a result of their watching what he was doing and listening to them, as we read in Philippians 4.22, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So Paul's imprisonment <laughs> caused Rome to face the issue of Christ. Circumstances are not a barrier to the gospel. Individuals whom you may never have thought possible to reach, if your heart was open even during these times, God would have given an open door. Maybe a helping hand, maybe a word in a 
uh, encouragement when they were down, an opportunity to share something with them about fears that they have. Maybe closed doors become an open door if you have the right attitude. That's what Paul did. He was chained to guards. We are not chained to guards today. But let's make use of situations that God has put us in, recognizing that this is God designed to further the cause of the gospel. Third important lesson is Paul's imprisonment was challenging Christians to witness boldly. We spoke about it earlier, where because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. In other words, it was the lay people who now began to be opened up. Earlier, it was maybe only the leaders who did the evangelism. Maybe earlier, it was only the leaders who did the, the, the teaching. Now, they were all opened up. Now, the individuals in the churches, the members in the churches, they began to open their mouth. They began to share. And that's, again, what could happen in a pandemic. You're no longer together with one leader in charge. And as a result, each individual, if they take up their responsibility to share with someone else, to share with their friends you know, about what they believe in and who Jesus is and Christ's love for them, if you notice it opens up the entire congregation, not just one person who is doing the teaching or the training or the speaking or the evangelism, but the whole body is opened up. So whatever situation you may be in, it may be a, a negative, restricted circumstance, okay? Use that as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Use that as an opportunity to encourage others. Your prison may be a boring job, or it could be an illness that limits you. Perhaps you may feel trapped in, a, in your home because you're a homemaker and you have a lot of responsibilities at home, especially with children all being at home. You may be chained to a group of you know, uh, business folks who you know, are too oppressive on you. And you're saying, Lord, what can I do in this scenario? Make use of that opportunity just as much as Paul did. See that as designed by God to further the cause of the gospel. Now you may say, how can I see that? That's what we are learning from Paul. Even though his hands were tied, his lips were open. Open. So whatever prison you would be in, or whatever prison you have been in or will be in, make use of that to challenge yourself not to live under the circumstance, but to live over the circumstance. Fourthly, if you notice, you know, Paul's ministry was causing positive and negative reactions from, not non-Christians, but from Christians, okay, from Christians, you know. If you notice, there were people over there who were speaking ill, as it were, who were constantly saying, you know, preaching out of envy, preaching out of jealousy. They were preaching Christ, yes, but they were preaching with mixed and impure motives. They preached the gospel, but their hearts was all wrong. They were motivated because they were jealous of Paul and his success in the gospel, even when Paul was in prison. So as a result, they said, hey, we also want to get the popularity. We also want to get the prestige. They were jealous of Paul. And then as a result, they started preaching. Now, what was Paul's reaction to that? And how did he respond? <laughs> okay. 
The story is told of a preacher who was very jealous of Charles Spurgeon. Each Sunday, this pastor would watch uh, people walk by his church and some maybe even leave his own church to go to Spurgeon's church to hear him preach. You know? Now, this preacher became very critical and oftentimes even spoke out against you know, uh, Spurgeon from his pulpit. Finally, one day, the Spirit of God convicted this preacher's heart that he was jealous of Mr. Spurgeon. And from that time on, the preacher began to pray diligently for the ministry of Spurgeon in both private as well as public. For the important thing was that the gospel was being preached. And it wasn't too long before God began to fill up the pews in this preacher's church, for God blesses a heart filled with love for those preaching the gospel. And this is what is happening over here. When he speaks about it, hey, they're doing it for whatever reasons, but they are preaching the gospel. And as a result, make sure that you are not pulling down people. Now, this is the time that the church has to come united together to recognize we are part of one body. Just because one person may have more technology or more abilities or you know, more able to use some of these things and, and they seem to be growing, don't look down or don't pull them down and uh, help them through, partner together so that we recognize that the body is being built up. <laughs> okay. Fifthly, Paul rejoiced that Christ was being preached. He said the important thing is, you know, and another motives, the important thing is Christ is being preached. And Paul's attitude gives us an insight as to what our attitude should be towards those Christians who would attack us or towards those Christian groups with which to which we disagree. Okay. So often, you know, individuals will begin to look at you know, the other group and maybe, you know start preaching against them or against that movement, against this Christian and that Christian, and spend all their time, especially today with technology, you know, all their time sharing about how this is wrong and how that is wrong, and all their energies are used up only by saying, I'm the only right guy. But Paul is telling us over here, hey, hey, don't do that, you know. Let us emphasize, let us show to this world at this time that the body of Christ is united. We are told you know, in Jude 3 to contend for the faith. The faith means the foundation, the doctrine, the basic beliefs of the Christian faith. He says we are supposed to contend for the faith, but not to contend with the faithful. God is the one who will judge the motives of those people. As long as the gospel is being preached, let's come together to make sure that we are communicating to the world around that we indeed are a body of believers. I'm reminded of a statement made by D.L. Moody when someone told him they did not like his method of sharing the gospel. And he asked what method they used. They admitted to not having one. Moody then told them, well, now I like the one I use better than the one you don't use. Okay. So a lot of time the People who criticize don't do anything, and they only want to criticize the people who are doing something. Let's learn from Paul, especially during this pandemic time, to come together, to learn together, to recognize that we are one body. Fourthly, Paul's plea 
to remember my chains. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 18, these are the last words of his letter to the church in Colossae. He says, remember my chains. Remember my chains. He's acknowledging the weight of his burden and asking others to share in it. We need to share our struggles. We could have said, hey, Paul was, after all, the apostle Paul. Why did he have to ask somebody else to, you know, pray for him? No, this is the time that we need to pray for each other. If Paul was willing to share the weight of his burdens and ask others to pray for him, we should not allow pride to keep us from opening up to others or to ask people, others, for help and guidance. We rob ourselves of true encouragement and strength if we do so. If Paul needed it, so do you and I. Ask yourself, have you even during this time when you're going through different struggles and you know, ask somebody to pray for you? Or you said, no, 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 I can handle it myself. Learn from Paul. Paul said, remember my chains. Paul always viewed his difficult circumstances in the context of his mission to preach the gospel. He always viewed his difficult circumstance in the context of his mission to preach the gospel. Ephesians 6.20 says, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So this is a prayer request. He says, yes, I am in chains, but I am asking you to pray that I will be a good ambassador, that I will be representing Christ, that I will be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. He's not wallowing in self-pity at this time and saying, please pray that somehow I'll be able to get out of this circumstance. Oftentimes, that's our prayer when we ask people to pray. Oh, I'm going through a tough situation. Please pray that the Lord will change the situation. No, no. Paul is praying, please pray that God will give me boldness, even in this situation, that God would be glorified. That should be our prayer request. Thirdly, Solidarity is a very powerful tool for the Christian as he faces opposition and suffering for the cause of Christ. In Philemon 23 and 24, he gives a list of people who are fellow prisoners. He says, if Aphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow laborers. He recognizes that there is strength in a team. He recognizes that there is strength in coming together, in praying together, seeking support for one another. And that's our important lesson that we can definitely learn. Remember, God can reach places which we view as unreachable. His hand is not shortened <laughs> that he cannot save. And the chains of Paul is proof positive of God's sovereign rule over the process of salvation. He opened doors that must have seemed real tightly shut and unapproachable. During this pandemic time, have you believed God, trusted God to give you open doors? What are the doors that have opened and how have you responded to it? <coughs> In closing, <coughs> Five simple lessons <coughs> that we can learn from Paul. <coughs> Is that on the slide? Lessons to be learned. Okay, the fourth point over there was the fruit that was seen as we 
saw that earlier, <coughs> that God can reach to places which we feel are unreachable. Lessons to be learned from Paul. Number one, negative circumstances are allowed by God to make us cling to Christ, honing off the rough edges to make us more Christ-like. Okay? God is the one who uses these negative situations in our lives to draw us close to Christ so that in the process, the rough edges are taken off, cut off, and we have become more like Christ. Has that happened during this quarantine time? Ask yourself. Number two, adverse circumstances are somehow designed so that we can further the gospel of Christ. They are designed, God sent, God planned. Nothing that God does is without a purpose, isn't it? You know? So when you think about the pandemic, there is a purpose. What? How can we further the gospel? How have you used this time to further the gospel of Christ? Thirdly, how we respond to negative circumstances impresses the unsaved world. For if they see a positive response, they will conclude that our Christ is real. When the whole world is living in fear, if they can see that we don't have fear, but we have faith that God is in control, it impresses them. But if we are also shaking and shivering and wondering and you know being all depressed and down and out, they will say, what difference is that? Have we made an impact to the outside world, the non-believing world, by the right attitude that we have shown? Fourthly, how we react to difficult situations has an impact upon other Christians as well, for they become encouraged to stand for Christ when we are positive. So not only the non-Christian world will be impressed, the Christian world will also have a strong impact. They would grow in their faith. They will be even more stronger in their faith. How have you used this time to disciple somebody else, to you know, uh, build up another Christian and you know, help them to move on in their faith rather than to you know, give up? Finally, number five, God wants us Christians to be rejoicing people in all circumstances and to have positive attitudes in regard to the preaching of the gospel. Can you honestly say, looking back on these couple of months that you are closed in, you know, and when you're thinking about the pandemic that is still around, can you say, God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you that you allowed that to happen. Or are you constantly praying, Lord, please take it away, please take it away. Let's learn from Paul to be in the situation, but not allow the situation to take control over us. Not allow this asking God, God, please take away these chains, please take away this prison, but to make the best use of it, to be productive even in those situations that God places us. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.